0: This is the Taiwanology podcast from Commonwealth Magazine, where we discuss Taiwan matters and why they matter to you. Coming to you from Taipei, the capital of the freest nation in Asia. Welcome to another episode of the Taiwanology podcast. This is your host, Kwang Ying Liu from Commonwealth Magazine. Today, we will embark on a journey into cyber scamming in Taiwan. It not only touches our everyday lives, but also challenges the security of individuals and institutions in Taiwan. But how serious is it? Well, scamming has really transcended traditional boundaries and has taken on a digital form that knows no borders. Today, we aim to decipher the severity of the problem in Taiwan. Why does the island nation find itself grappling with some of the highest monetary losses in cyber scams among developed countries? Our guest today, Jamie, will guide us through the cases of bankers and engineers, the white-collar people involved in cyber scams in Taiwan. We'll also scrutinize Taiwan's legislative initiatives, particularly the Technology Investigation Act, Koji Jenchafa. How will Taiwan really tackle these problems? So let us welcome Jamie Young with us today. Hi, Jamie.
1: Hi, Guang. So nice to be here.
0: Okay, good. So he is our very own finance reporter from Commonwealth Magazine, and he's also one of the youngest reporters who just joined us half a year ago. Is that true? Yeah. So he has spent nearly two months following up on the leads for this cover story. So thank you for being here. First of all, give us an introduction of scamming. What is the definition of scamming?
1: According to a expert from Global Anti-Scam Alliance, it was established like three or four years ago. Pretty new. Yeah, pretty new. And CEO of the alliance, I quote, he said, Scamming is when the gap between promise and delivery is huge.
0: Okay. So like when you go on a website, you were promised that you will get a lot of returns if you invest, but in instead you lo- lose all your money.
1: Yeah. If you want to buy a maybe iPhone 14, but you get iPhone 6. It is a scam.
0: Or you get a fake phone that doesn't even work. Yeah. Okay. So could you give us another example of cyber scamming?
1: Cyber scamming is just a type of scam. Specifically, it's conducted through the internet, right? Yeah, you know, like um, fake shopping, gambling, or investing website or advertisement we see on the internet or maybe on Facebook, uh, WhatsApp. We couldn't see any actual person when we fall into the trap.
0: I think you gave us an example. We were just chatting. You said someone could go on a, a website thinking he is doing online gambling, but he was tricked into paying more and more money, and what happened in that case?
1: This case is written in our report. Mm-hmm. An engineer, he was deceived on a fake gambling website. He invested approximately 10000 US dollars, thinking that he had doubled his money on the website. However, when he asked to withdraw the website, demanded further transfers, and he got nervous because he couldn't get his money back. Eventually, he transferred over $70,000 and didn't receive any.
0: Okay, so I guess this is this does not only happen in Taiwan, but it has also happened in other places. Yeah. Okay, so this is cyber scamming. And how about you? Do you also personally encounter calls or messages from scammers?
1: So in the past two years, Taiwan has suffered a lot of phishing messages and calls. And I personally received three to five text messages or calls every day last year. And I got tired this year, so I started to use a third-party app that could filter SMS from August. And since then, I have hardly received any.
0: That's, that's good. Yeah, that could really be annoying. Also on Instagram, I would see invitations from obviously fake people all the time. And I have friends who have fallen into these honey traps and they have lost a lot of money. So this is really a prevalent situation. But when you get those calls or messages, how could you tell that they were scammers?
1: I think if it's asking you to put money, over 90% are fake. Because uh, if the telecom company wants you to pay the bill, they will send you emails with their official email, not not from just only text messages.
0: Right, right. I, I think that's a good way to tell. But let's talk about the scamming landscape in Taiwan. Uh I think we were looking at some report called Global State of Scams Report. How would you say about the the seriousness of the scamming situation in, in Taiwan?
1: I would say it's really bad. Last year Taiwan has seen a total financial loss from scams exceeding six point eight billion US dollars, which accounts for approximately zero point nine percent of its almost
0: one percent of Taiwan's GDP. Yeah,
1: almost one percent.
0: Okay. And globally, how does that compare with other countries?
1: So this places Taiwan at 15th out of 43 countries, yet it stands as the number the number one among developed countries.
0: So you're saying that the money lost to scamming in Taiwan is among the highest in terms of percentage to GDP. Yes. Well, that sounds really awful. So I know you just finished this cover story about white-collar scamming. What are the most interesting discoveries in your story?
1: So we found out that scams are no longer confined to the fringe of society or...
0: What do you mean by fringe of society? Like
1: very low, very un so-called uneducated or received a limited education, those group of people or underworld figures.
0: Yeah, because in the past, we have always imagined that criminals, they may be members of the gang. Yeah. Or maybe mobsters or people in shady industries. But you're, you're telling me that's no longer true.
1: That's, um, still true. Mm-hmm. They still, they, they are still in the core of scammings. But now there are more and more white collar workers. They join them.
0: Such as what kind of people?
1: Such as engineers. Okay. bank tellers. These two are the most recent findings of ours.
0: So you're saying that we could literally be surrounded by people who are working with scammers. So tell us about the, the case. There is a case of, a, of a, uh, a bank employee who was working with the scammers.
1: Mm-hmm. So in January this year, we saw the f- the first ever reported case involving a bank employee in Taiwan. And since then, a total of seven bank branches across Taiwan have been subjected to uh, searches, resulting in the indictment of three individuals.
0: That's the very first time I have never heard that there were bank staff who were involved. What did they do?
1: So they they are suspected of either instructing fraud groups on how to evade banks' know-your-customer protocols Mm -hmm. or aiding them in circumventing verification procedures to transfer large sums of Right, of because money.
0: there was an existing mechanism in the bank to prevent people from transferring large sums of money to scammers, right? Yeah. But these bankers were working with the fraud groups, so they gave instructions so that the scammers could transfer their money very easily.
1: Yeah. So the most dramatic case involves a female bank employee who was only 26 years old.
0: Wow, it's really young. Yeah.
1: She coached members of the fraud group on how to handle inquiries from bank tellers when setting up foreign currency accounts for money laundering purposes.
0: But how does that work? So for example, if I'm a a scammer, if I go to the bank, I want to open an account, what would be the instruction?
1: Okay, so when scammers were asked about the purpose of the account, they were told to answer, I am going to buy American stock instead of I'm going to buy cryptocurrencies. Because the latter is mostly considered to be a long money laundry tool.
0: Right. I see. Yeah. But if I say I'm opening this account because I want to buy American securities and stock, then they will have to let me open it.
1: Yeah. Also, they also train these scamming members to be. To sounds very certain. Mm-hmm. To to be very clear at what they're doing. Yeah, like
0: I know what I'm doing. I'm not just reading from a script. Yeah. Okay, this sounds all very nice and, and perfect. Then how was this woman caught?
1: Okay, so this case came to light when prosecutors investigating several fraud cases discovered that several members of different fraud groups had mentioned the branch where this bank employee worked in their chat this records. This
0: particular bank branch.
1: Yeah. So when the prosecutor searched the bank, they didn't know which employee was involved. So they searched the employee's phones and then asked the manager to identify the one who handled the most significant increases in transfer limits Hmm. and opened the most foreign currency accounts, ultimately pinpointing this particular employee. Wow. Yeah, and the prosecutor asked the manager to ask this bank teller to go upstairs to give, to give her a further search. So the bank teller didn't know she was under suspect. So she brought her phone with her and the prosecutor examined her phone, discovered a call from one of, one of the uh, fraud group members.
0: She was caught red-handed. Yeah. How much does she make working with the fraudsters?
1: She made around 50, U.S. dollars in just two months.
0: And that I believe is like 10 times her monthly salary or something that was a really dramatic case. But I wonder if that was a single case or is it a widespread situation where bank staffs are working with scammers in Taiwan?
1: So I actually asked the prosecutor about this question. He believed that it will not be the only case. And it is proven that he's right. There are more and more cases coming out, at least seven.
0: So how unique is this situation where the bank staffs are involved in fraudster groups. Is it only happening in Taiwan? Have you talked with any other people who are working on international scams?
1: So in my knowledge, I search about it. I never find any bankers working with fraud groups. The most common way of bankers involved in frauds is that they steal data from the bank and sell it.
0: Yeah, they sell personal information. Yeah. So from your research and reporting, you haven't seen any other cases in in any other countries where bank staffs are participating in the scams.
1: Yeah, and we also talked with a journalist who was awarded for scam reports. Mm -hmm. He said he's never heard of this kind of cases in Hong Kong or anywhere else.
0: Yeah, so even he was surprised. Yeah,
1: he's very surprised.
0: So why do you think that Taiwan has this unique trend that bank staffs are working with scamming?
1: I think it's because scams has been a really serious problem in Taiwan for over 20 years. So the limit of bank transfers is around only 30,000 NTD.
0: And that's about 1,000 US dollars per day.
1: Yeah, and it's really, really low. If you want to raise the limit, you have to go through a certain procedure by
0: the bank. Right. So you're saying that because of this existing mechanism to keep the transaction amount low... The only way for the scammers to move a lot of money quickly is for them to work with the bank staff. That's really, really worrying and very concerning trend. So did you find out why this 27-year-old woman would work with the scammers?
1: Uh, We couldn't reach her, but the prosecutor's uh, speculation is that she might have some financial strains because she just got a new baby.
0: Okay, and another question is, So where is the banker now and what might happen to her afterwards?
1: Um, She was detained for two months before her indictment earlier this year. And Mm -hmm. during the court proceedings around May to June, she was detained for an additional three months before being released on bail. As of now, we are still waiting for a ruling.
0: Okay, and what kind of sentence will she get?
1: At least seven years since she's a banker.
0: Right, seven years. Can we expect she uh, would get that.
1: I believe so, but actually, she is a really rare case since she works for the banks, and there are special laws that would punish these kind of crimes.
0: Right. So, what kind of sentence do scammers usually get?
1: Around four months to half a year.
0: Why? Why so short?
1: Um, it's because our police could only caught those uh, dummy account providers. Or those who withdraw the money for the scam group leaders, they are really low-level participants.
0: Right. So, in in other words, uh, because the police could not prove the connection to the the scamming groups, so they were they they receive only very minor punishment.
1: Yeah, and also the limited sentence for scamming in our criminal law is only up to five years. Some police and prosecutors would argue that it's not enough for prevention.
0: Right. So I I think if you ask anyone on the street, they will say that's not enough. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the case involving several engineers and also how to make the laws better to prevent crime. Welcome back to the Taiwanology podcast. I'm your host, Kwang Ying Liu in our studio today is Jamie Young the reporter from Commonwealth Magazine. Today we're talking about the scamming cases in in Taiwan and how the situation are evolving into really more serious uh, than before. So you also reported on some engineers. What kind of roles do engineers play in these scams?
1: So uh, these engineers have always been involved in building a website. They build website and apps for scammers.
0: So what's new about this?
1: Okay, it's new because our police found proofs that could prove that they know what they're doing. They're not just selling website to anyone. They're selling it for scamming purpose.
0: Okay, what exactly do these engineers do?
1: They design website or apps that could go cyber phishing. And in our reported case, there are three young engineers that build, uh, like I said, website and apps with backdoors. Mm-hmm. Once users downloaded and installed these applications, scammers could access all data on their phones, including text messages, contact information, call logs, GPS, and more.
0: And what's their business model?
1: These engineers uh, charge monthly. Uh, the monthly fee for a website is only 200 uh, USD.
0: So it's like I'm paying monthly fee for Netflix. I could also pay a monthly fee for a scamming website.
1: Yes, and also they get paid in cryptocurrency. It makes it harder to to follow
0: Okay. What kind of people are these engineers? How old are they?
1: So they are the youngest, I believe, is only twenty two years old and he was a college student.
0: Okay, so it's super young. How were they caught?
1: Uh, It was the Indonesian police who discovered a fake Malaysian bank website conducting phishing activities, and uh, it was traced back to Taiwan.
0: So what were these engineers thinking? Did they know that they were building websites for scammers, and did they know they were committing a crime?
1: So surprisingly, they didn't feel they were doing anything wrong. Really? Yeah. One of them even said, I was just building a website. It was no different than working in any other software company.
0: So that's how these engineers are justifying what they're doing. Right. So we have heard the cases about bank staff and engineers working with scammers in Taiwan. But how does Taiwan's cyber scamming landscape differ from other countries?
1: Online fraud happens worldwide. We all Mm -hmm. know that. Right. However, Taiwan seems to have a unique problem where... I just uh, like I said, bank mm-hmm. employees were recruited as collaborators. Right. So I haven't cro- come across similar cases in any other countries.
0: What does that say about Taiwan?
1: The most al- alarming development in Taiwan is that fraudulent syndicates uh, have started openly recruiting individuals through social media platforms, specifically seeking those familiar with internal bank operations.
0: So they are recruiting on social media. They
1: post it on Facebook.
0: Right. I think I also read in the cover story that the female bank staff that was caught, she was actively recruiting her co-workers from lunch.
1: Yeah, she yeah. asked twice about it.
0: The same person. To
1: the same person.
0: Right, like, I'm working on this side gig. I'm making a lot of money. Would you like to join me?
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I was really surprised that her coworker didn't report her.
0: I guess this just tells us how prevalent this problem is and how deep-seated the corruption goes. But then we really have to ask the question, what can the Taiwanese government do about it? Are there any legislation uh, attempts to combat scamming?
1: Okay, there's one, the yet-to-be-passed Technology Investigating Act, primarily authorizes the police to utilize technological tools for crime investigation mm-hmm. and with two instruments. Okay. One one is the IMSI Catcher, a device installed in vehicles that can simulate telecom-based station signals right. prompting targeted mobile phones to register allow law enforcement to locate these criminals through their phone signals. And the other one involves involves monitoring communication software to record conversations and calls already in use in some countries.
0: So if these tools are really available in some countries, how why, why is it that Taiwan cannot have access to these tools?
1: Because both of these technologies have sparked controversies over human rights violations. Yeah, so it has been delayed for almost two years.
0: Right, but I think with your cover story, the government will try to move more quickly.
1: Yeah, that's what I hope so.
0: Yeah, to implement these tools because people, from what I'm hearing, people are really fed up with scamming. Right. So if we are going to consider the obstacles in implementing the anti-scamming legislation, what kind of roles can social media platforms play? I was reading in your cover story that the UK has introduced online safety bill. So I think the social media platforms also have to react to scamming.
1: This new bill in the UK, it mandates social media platforms to take responsibility for preventing scams because they apparently benefit a lot from posting this kind of content.
0: They make money, yes.
1: Yeah. And according to the bill, if the platform does not address this fraudulent content effectively, they would be fined up to 10% of their global revenues.
0: That's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, so I, I really hope it works.
0: Right, but that's in the UK, right? In In Taiwan, does the government have any... A mandate over how the social media platforms can behave.
1: We are working on a similar strategy, but okay. so far we only passed a, a certain regulation that only regulates the investing advertisement. Right. So our government could only forcibly ask the platform to take take down the advertisement if it is related to false information about investing.
0: So only a small chunk of the scamming advertisements. Yes. Okay, so we're really hoping that in the future we could introduce more regulation to um, these online platforms. And what about individually? What can we do? What advice could you give individuals if we want to, you know, if we don't want to be scammed?
1: So my suggestion is before transferring any significant sums of money, the sum that would make you feel hurt, it's very crucial to verify the identity of the recipient mm-hmm. through like official website or anti-fraud hotlines provided by law enforcement.
0: Okay, maybe don't click on any link you have received over SMS text messages.
1: Yeah, so my rule is if something appears to too good to be true, it probably is scam.
0: Yeah, so I think that's a good rule of thumb. And finally, what kind of lessons can we learn from this story?
1: So many people feel that nothing seems trustworthy Mm -hmm. and everyone fears being deceived all the time. It's how we feel right now. It's really a negative social atmosphere. We shouldn't become numb to it, nor should we accept it as the norm. There's so much that governments, businesses, individuals, everyone can do.
0: Right. So I think your story and what you're saying, they should all contribute to keep this uh, situation in check. So thank you, Jamie. This is a, a very heavy episode. What we have talked about really opened my eyes and not in a good way. So yeah, I really feel like we can be surrounded by scammers.
1: Yeah, but I believe we will get
0: better. Okay. Well, thank you for ending on a positive note. That wraps up today's episode. If you're interested in reading more about scamming in Taiwan, please visit Commonwealth English website and take a moment to leave a review or shoot us an email to share your thoughts. For more in-depth reports, check out Commonwealth English website. Our next episode will be available on December 26th. Special thanks to our producers, Ru Wang and Ian Huang. I'm your host, Ying Liu. Follow Taiwanology on your favorite podcast platforms. And until next time, take care and stay informed.